Alex, is Yo. this our Shaquille O'Deal episode or our Carl Malone episode? Uh, I should, I should just, it'd be great if we posted on Sundays, because I would just post this one on Monday and say post doesn't come on Sundays. <laughs> The Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Check us out at thecorner3.net. What's up, everybody, and welcome to The Corner 3, episode 32. I am one of your hosts, Alex Derrickson, and joined with me, as always, is the hoop and the harm, Tim Daniel. How are you? I am liking the new hoop and harm nickname, Alex. Thanks for that. I'm digging it. We'll see you sticks. You're on a week-to-week basis with me. You're on thin ice. All right, all right. On thin nickname ice. <laughs> now, the My Team King, Sean Mackey, is not with us this week, but we are joined. We're still the corner three. It's in the name. We are joined by the co-host of Here Come the Young Guns, a man that works alongside with you on that show, Tim, Ben Brown. How are you? Great, fellas. What's going on? You guys doing all right tonight? Doing great. Doing all right. Doing well. This is exciting. I am excited. This is awesome. What a time to be alive. (laughs) If this is your first time listening, this is the Corner 3 Podcast. It does post every Friday on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And it is three guys getting together to talk about the NBA because we're the only dorks in Cincinnati that have people to talk to about it. So, let's get right into it. Tim, what's your topic? My topic this week goes out to my man, Mr. Devin Booker. Dropping 70 this week in a game with the Suns and the Lakers, and it was the weirdest game ever in a roundabout way. One, they lose by 10. Two, the Suns admit that they expanded the game by fouling to keep the game going. Three, the Suns are a weird franchise already with how much they've admitted they're tanking. They shut down Eric Bledsoe a month early in the season. And four... Uh, Jay Crowder and Devin Booker have a spouting match on social media over the game and how the Celtics were going. I'm not. I'm amazed how many people are excited over a loss, to which Devin Booker responded with, you can't guard me. So, Alex, I don't know where I lean in this. So is it a cool moment for Devin Booker in a legacy game? Oh, yeah, totally. We're always going to talk about him dropping 70, much like we did Michael Jordan's playoff game when he, when he broke the record, but they still lost to the Celtics. But at that same point, I don't remember the Chicago Bulls fouling in the playoffs so Michael Jordan can drop that many points either. Right. I mean, it's definitely a game, I think, that we'll remember Devin Booker by, but it's also there's where the pendulum can kind of swing the other way, right, where it's uh, the Brandon Jennings 55-point game. Yeah. And Brandon Jennings now has problems keeping jobs in the NBA. <laughs> and it's it's a situation well, – I mean, not so much now. I mean, he's doing well, but – it's it's a situation where it's two years in his, into his career and he has a game for the ages, but that can either define him positively or negatively. I agree. Uh, Devin Booker, I mean, he is he has come up to be one of the good young players uh, in this league. Um, the seventy point game, it's very special. Uh, his team's reaction however uh not good uh i'm not a big fan of guys you know taking pictures in the locker room like he's you know like he's the like he scored 100 like wilt chamberlain you know but but i'm not a big fan of that 
because they're losing. I mean, they're a tanking franchise, um, and they and they've admitted to tanking, and they've also admitted to getting him the basketball and trying to get him points. Um, to me, it's just not a good look. I love Devin Booker, and I think he could get seventy, regardless if they're passing the ball or not. But uh, for them to to do that and then post pictures and going out to the club and and we're celebrating Devin and you know that's all fine and good, but win some basketball games first, you know, <laughs> put some yeah. put some wins together. I, I definitely can't blame him for celebrating. I mean, they're excited for their teammate. I, I'm sure that's a big moment for him and you know, and everything like that. But yeah, it's, it's the extension of the celebration. And I will say this, at least Phoenix is honest about the tanking. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Looking at you Lakers. Can't, can't fault him for being honest. No, they're (laughs) evaluating the younger talent, Tim. We've been through this. So here's the other cool thing about this Booker game. You know, when you hear about these games, when these guys like have these abundance of shots, like Kobe's 81 point game, his field goal percentage wasn't exactly like jaw dropping. Booker shot 22 of 40 in this game. Like, that's pretty impressive for a 70-point game. Yeah, I mean, keep feeding him the ball if he's that hot. Like I said, just don't admit to it after the game. <laughs> right. Yeah I, yeah, I don't have any problem with them giving him the ball. I mean, 22 out of 40, I mean, that's that's impressive. Um, but I'm with you. I, I mean, you just can't be like, hey, we did this, and this is why we did it. Don't don't explain it to me. Let his Let his moment be special. Don't kill the guy and then call the cops, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. I think the thing that makes it interesting, too, is, like, you know, the Suns are – they're shooting for that top three pick. And right now it looks like they're going to have it. But this is a team that really, you know, if we can say that they're evaluating their young talent also, it would be fair because they are playing Marquise Chris, and they did shut down Eric Bledsoe, like mentioned. Um, I truly believe – I'm one that believes they have to trade Eric Bledsoe. Uh, it's not fair to him to be in this situation, one – where he's getting shut down a month early because he is a basketball player, and that's, that's, that hurts any competitor to not be able to play. So I think, you know, because that's, that's definitely a situation where they could get a Lonzo ball, and he can go to Phoenix, and him and Devin Booker could be the backcourt of the future for the Suns, and I want that to happen now that as, I'm, as I'm saying this. <laughs> as you put and, it out in the atmosphere. Yes. <laughs> this sounds really good. I want to go to there. Right. Exactly. <laughs> No, that's an interesting look, and I mean, while we're on the topic of, of Lonzo Ball and everything, Tim, you want to fill us in on some tourney talk? Sure, man. So, um, Alex, as you know, um, Ben, I don't know if you guys know as much if you don't listen to our show all the time, um, we have what's called a draft crush for the NBA draft, and um, if for my crushes, I guess you can say I have a type, as I'm noticing a trend, and uh, that type is point guards, so, mm. Yeah. Um, I am all in on the De'Aaron Fox bandwagon now, man. Like, after watching his performance in the tourney, he's definitely been the most outstanding player in the tournament. It sucks he doesn't get to play another weekend. Um, that game against UCLA, when they beat UCLA, he was just outstanding. And it wasn't like he kind of outplayed Ball. Ball shouldn't have even been on the court with him. Fox got... <laughs> so, to put it to you in hindsight for this, for those people who don't really watch college basketball, watch the NBA, in 48 minutes, where it's broken up, and you you know, it's pretty easy to drop you know, 39, 40 minutes in a game, in points in a game. In college basketball, you play two 20-minute halves. De'Aaron Fox dropped 39 in that case. And what did he do when he when, it, when that happened, when he was interviewed after that game? He didn't say, man, I was on fire. He said, I want to thank my teammates for helping me get to, help, get to the ball and, and make things happen. 
And where Fox is set apart for me from Fulton Ball is his explosiveness to the basket, the fact he can use both hands so well, his lateral quickness on defense uh, really sets me sets him there for me. So I um I gotta say, Ben, man, to bring you back in this conversation, sign me up with the Deer and Fox bandwagon. Right now, I don't think this conversation should be who's better, Marco Fulter Lonzo Ball. It should be Marco Fulter Deer and Fox. Um, yeah, I, De'Aaron Fox, I mean, and you don't, you see glimpses of it, but man, he is special. I mean, he, he's 6'3", left-handed, can shoot, but the best thing about him is that he seems like he is a great teammate. Right. I mean, they were showing interviews after the game. I mean, he is in tears about not being able to play with his guys anymore. I mean, he's in tears about it, and to watch him play... Which is a this is a lesson for anybody who's going against another competitor. Never let anybody write checks that you can't cash. So Lonzo <laughs> Ball's, you know Lonzo Ball's dad, Lavar, who's out here, you know, hollering and screaming, "My son's this. He could beat LeBron in one on one and all this stuff." I mean, don't think that no competitor takes that personal. So if you don't think that. Darren Fox didn't walk onto that court and be like, I am the best player on this floor. You must be crazy. So that's the one big thing that I noticed is that that guy, no matter what the situation, he came there to compete and he came there to win. And he didn't care who he was going against. He didn't care about the name of Lonzo Ball. Um, he went out there and made things happen for his team, and they walked away with a victory. I'm, I am thoroughly impressed with De'Aaron Fox. Um, to me, um, he is he is the top top three in this next draft. I mean, he is he is a special player. His athleticism, um, the way he makes things happen, the way he can get to the basket, um, he makes everybody around him look better. So I, I'm with you on that, Tim. See, the thing is, and you made the bench, you, you brought the point of when they lost North Carolina and what was, that was the championship game. Like, this, the rest of this tournament doesn't matter. <laughs> that was the title game. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. And you mentioned, you know, at the end of the game, he's in tears and he's like, I love playing with my teammates. Like, that's the dude I want to draft. That's the guy that I know mm-hmm. every night gives a shit. And he wants to go out there and he wants to win and compete. And like, you know, Kentucky guys especially, they get this rap for being one and done and not caring about school. He didn't go to Kentucky to play Kentucky and make his draft stock better. He wanted to stand out and make a legacy there, and I think that's what he did. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, probably my my favorite Kentucky player since Anthony Davis as far as, like, been all-around uh, all talent. Um, he's so fast going up and down the court. Like, I think when he grows into his body frame, and this might be a lot at this moment, he's going to be a guy that when he grows into his body frame and he gets used to the NBA – He's going to be one of those guys that's just as fast going up and down the court as Wall and Westbrook. Uh, I yeah, I don't doubt that. that. I would agree with that. Um, he is, he is without a doubt, one of the quickest kids I've seen in college, just from end to end um, and putting pressure on a defense. I mean, he can he gets down the floor. They were putting a clock on him one time. I think it was within four seconds, 4.2, 4.3. I mean, it, and on top of that, he's able to finish – and I don't know if there's a count on this, but there were so many times where he would go and get and one baskets. Yeah. Which is impressive to me because you're going in there amongst the trees and you're getting fouls. But not only are you getting <clears throat> fouled, you're completing the play. 
and met putting the ball on the basket. That is that's very impressive. And like you said, Tim, he hasn't even matured yet. I mean, he's an 18, 19 year old kid. He really isn't having, you know, he hasn't had an NBA offseason where he just works out and works with other pro guys and gets his body ready. So once he starts to do that, man, he is going to be impressive. And it'll be interesting to see where like the the draft lottery falls too, because I think that could definitely shape you know where he falls as well. But uh, I'm excited; it'll be good. I like this draft class a lot. Me too. That was the one thing I picked up from from what little bit of the tournament I've got. I got to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I definitely like what the incoming class is. It seems like it's a could it could be a real nice one. I don't know where you guys would scale it. You know, compared to. The drafts you've recapped so far every Wednesday on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. But <laughs> uh, it's no O three. I mean, <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. No O three. Yeah. So, with my topic, if you guys are ready, get out your tinfoil hats. <laughs> <laughs> it's NBA conspiracy theory time. Oh man. Oh. Oh, okay. Is this about Joakim Noah's suspension? No, no. Okay. These are th- this is not really even related to anything going on in the NBA currently. I just think these are fun to discuss, <laughs> right? And All I, right. I thought it'd be a fun thing to bring to the table for us. I, I can toss uh, a couple out. Some of my personal favorites, including one that I also created myself. So <laughs> uh, <clears throat> that'll that'll be fun, I think. But. <laughs> I'll start with this one, with the draft lottery coming up and in tangentially speaking about the draft, as, as it were. The original lottery with, the Pat- with Patrick Ewing and the Knicks. Were you guys aware of the story that the, the theory is for the Knicks to win the lottery, their envelope was left in a freezer up until it was time to draft the envelopes out of the bag? <laughs> no. What? <laughs> yes. So... There, there is a there's in this weird realm of NBA conspiracy theories that the NBA wanted the Knicks to get the first pick in the lottery, and initially the lottery was team the teams that were you know in it each had their name in one envelope. The envelopes were basically just kind of like tossed in a bag, and then the commissioner reaches hand, pulled out an envelope, opened it up. That's the team that wins the number one pick. <laughs> so they want allegedly allegedly they wanted the Knicks to win so the Knicks could get Patrick Ewing. So the theory is, I'll, I'll say it one more time so you guys can, can maybe follow along here. The envelope would have been the coldest one coldest. in the bag, so they would have known which one's the Knicks. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know what? Though? That that kind of makes I sense. Mean, it makes sense. Which brings um, me to my next point. Pro wrestling is the only real sport, and all <laughs> other sports are actually fake. <laughs> So now we reverse it. I, I'm with you on that. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. The Carl Malone, Dennis up. Rodman, WCW Bash to the Beach was like the mixing of the universes and like changing how things are put together. It, it was part of the NBA conspiracy theory cinematic universe. Yes. Wow. <laughs> the NBA CTCU. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the one I really do want to discuss with you guys, I think this one, especially with Tim, you, you, being pertinent as well as a Bulls fan. Uh, where do you guys stand on the, the the rumor that Michael Jordan's first retirement 
was secretly because of his gambling problem. And it was like I, a secret I, suspension. I am, I am, I've always believed that. Now, I, I know that sounds crazy that you bring that up and I'm affirmed, but I, I've always thought that. Um, to me, a guy like Michael Jordan, who is that competitive and is on top of the world, you cannot tell me that. And, and I understand he had tragedy; his father died, but you can't tell me that you're on top of the basketball world and all you've ever wanted to do is keep winning championships and be known as a winner, and then all of a sudden now I want to go swing baseball bats. Like that just that this doesn't compute to me. You know what I mean? Like that just doesn't follow. That's like. You know, I'm a lover of steak. There's no way in the world I'm going to walk into my, my house and be like, you know what? I'm going to be a vegan. Like, <laughs> it's just not it's not going to happen. I mean, if you know me, I, that me being a vegan is is never likely. It's not going to happen. So I, I am with you on that one. I, I do believe it had something to do with the NBA saying, hey, look, Mike, um, you are the most popular player in, on the universe um, we can't suspend you without our league plummeting and crashing, which it almost did anyway. So sure. why don't you why don't you go away, um, have a retirement in quotes, and come back in twelve to eighteen months? And I think that's what he did. Now the baseball thing, I think it's just something that kept his competitive juices flowing. I think he just wanted to do it, but I do think it was behind some kind of suspension. I I am in agreement with you there. I am too, actually. Um, the only reason I am, though, um, I think you guys, I mean, Ben brings up a great point about the competitiveness and who he is. Um, Dan Patrick talked about it on uh, the Vertical with Chris Mannix over the summer. He talked about like one of his last conversations he had with Jordan, and this was in 98. And he was like, and jo- like he was like, this is before Jordan announced anything. You know, the lockout was coming up, and he said, it's just a shame you're retiring. And Michael Jordan said, who the fuck says I'm retiring? And and he was like, "How is yeah? This is true." Like he asked, like right there, like in the cell after the interview on NBC on ESPN, he literally got up, apparently he got up and asked Patrick. He's like, "How would you guard me?" He's like, "If you had to guard me, how would you guard me?" And he's like, oh, "I put my elbow on your back and I would move with you." And he's like, yeah, "Dan pa- Dan Patrick's just like, whoa, buddy, let's go out to dinner first, <laughs> right, right?" And he's like, and he was like. And uh, Jordan goes, every fucking person tries to guard me that way. And you're going to try to do the same thing? And they bring up in the ass, he goes, I truly believe... Um, Dave Patrick had a pretty good inside source at that time. He wasn't just some guy on ESPN, you know. Um, he, was and, the, he was the guy. Right, exactly. And he himself said, I truly believe that Michael was suspended for two years, and this was their way of covering it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense, right? It's, it's one of those things where if you just take the story at face value... It, you're just like, okay, cool, yeah, he retired for a few years. That makes sense. But then it's also one of those things where when someone comes by and it's like, he also had a gambling problem. It's, what? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, baseball just had the whole, like, the, the falling of Pete Rose. I don't think basketball wanted to have that, too. Right. Oh, that's a good point, Tim. That's a really good point with um, about the gambling thing. And it, and it was known, too, that Jordan was a game. I mean, it is documented that you know, even if you watch the documentary on the Dream Team, him and uh, Don um, Nelson, all the yeah, I mean all the, I mean all those guys were like, we never saw Michael. Like he would wake up, play golf, he would 
come back, we'd have practice, and then he would be at a craft table for hours on end, and then maybe sleep a couple hours, come back, and then he's he's still putting up, you know, 32 in an Olympic game. And they're like, how does he do it? Like, he doesn't sleep. So, I mean, it's it's well documented that he had some gambling issues. Probably still does have some gambling issues, but when you were worth half a billion, you know, losing a couple thousand here and there probably doesn't bother you. So... Oh, must be nice, right? You know, <laughs> I'm I'm curious, Alex. So, though, what more what more theories do you have, man? There's got to be some good ones, right? Yeah. Well, I'm well, I, I, you, I, I, I'm wanna, I, I want to dive into the one that that I kind of surmised myself here. Uh, it stems back to, and this this kind of runs with the gambling issue as well. the The Tim Donaghy scandal. Oh yeah. With mm, with the Lakers yeah. Kings, they the, how. Now I'm going to get into why I think a lot of people were like, "Oh, that guy! Yeah, I forgot about him." So after he came out with that and everyone looked up the that Lakers Kings game that he alleged was or kind of implied was the uh one that you could look up and really notice the difference uh like 6 months maybe if that the the one the the deeply rooted one in this is this is one that I, I wish Sean was here too because I think he would actually back me up on this one but uh right after like all that broke the Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen acquisitions happened in Boston. Ah. Oh. And the script kind of flipped, and everybody forgot about Tim Donaghy because all of a sudden Boston was really good again, which yeah. was something that hadn't happened in a few years. Right. Yeah, that's, and that's a good point. So heading into that season, uh, Chicago was coming off of that really good year where they had just gotten eliminated from the piston by the Pistons in the playoffs. Uh, but every but then they drafted Noah and everybody. Like I remember, they were on the cover of USA Today. They were one of the favorites to win. That was a big market team. Boston all of a sudden is really great. That's a big market team. New York does New York things. Uh, but uh, as Chicago, as we know in that season, Chicago came out and, and basically just shit the bed. Right on right. the right on the United Center, just unzipped mm-hmm. their pants and then fired their coach on Christmas. But <laughs> was that Skiles? And then you're, yeah, that was Skiles. That was the year they Skiles. Fired, they fired Skiles on Christmas, traded half the roster at the trade deadline, and then lost forty nine games. Uh, which we'll come back to. That's it to be continued. They're they're footnoting this. <clears throat> so at that same trade deadline. It was kind of one of those things where there was Boston, and then there was 29 other NBA teams. Mm-hmm. And at the time, often rumored trade bait, Pau Gasol was being dangled out very frequently, who came up in a lot of different uh, like deal rumors and things like that, mostly involving Chicago at the time as well. He was traded to the Lakers for his brother, and I don't remember what else. Not much. Right. Yeah, there wasn't much to it, I don't think. So, I sat there and went, huh, so now the two winningest franchises in NBA history are the two best teams in the NBA right now. What was the Mm. finals? Boston and L.A. What ratings were great? Boston and L.A. How did we get on this topic? (laughs) Everyone forgot about Tim Donaghy. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, because that's a good point. So. Um, so footnote in this is Chicago sucks that year and with a 1.9% chance wins the lottery to get Derrick Rose and all of a sudden you've got four really good teams and four really good markets. Yeah, because that was... And it was, wow. a, very, it was a very quick turnaround on that, that. 
That was the playoff series, the one that you said that you can still watch but still hurts you a bit. Yes, uh, the John Salmon, Salmons-led Chicago Bulls. Oh, my God. Yes. That was the four-overtime game, game one? Uh, no, it didn't go past three overtimes. That's right. And that was game five or six. Because nobody yeah, talks is. about game three was a blow, the blowout. Nobody talks about that one. But yeah, so if you follow that timeline, just kind of congruently, it's a little fishy if you say everything in order out loud. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it is. That is. But I think the NBA is always they've always wanted Boston and LA to succeed because I think that when those two teams are good, that makes the league good. If that makes sense. Um, like, even in the 60s and 70s, I mean, it was Boston, and Boston was winning, and then all of a sudden, you know, the Lakers get Wilt Chamberlain. So, you know, then you have Boston, like, then you got Russell and Chamberlain. Then you go through the 70s. Then you go through the 80s, and you get Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, and those two battle and combine to win eight championships uh, throughout the 80s. And then, I mean, it's... And then you go through the 90s and 2000s, you get Shaq and Kobe, and Boston kind of fell off, but then then again, then they get the big three. And then the Lakers are still there with Kobe and Pau Gasol. And they, I mean, throughout time, those two teams have always been linked to good times in the NBA. So, But the Tim Donahue thing is very interesting. Right, and that, that was my one thing. And I was like, at the end of that season, I was like, isn't this the same season that Tim Donaghy like came out with all this stuff in? <laughs> you heard that book? Like, They're like, huh? Talking about that? <laughs> huh? Did he just get scrubbed? Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> Guys, I wrote this book. I wrote this book. I wrote this book. No, you didn't. No, that, you didn't. No, you didn't. Right. That's great, Tim. The Lakers will go Celtics away. are in the finals. Right. <laughs> go away. Fucking David Stern comes out, puts a bag over Tim Donaghy's head, looks at all the other, looks at Dick Pavetta, and is like, tell the other refs what you just saw, pulls them off. <laughs> no, but I, I kind of wanted that's to, hilarious. To, I kind of wanted to unpack this a little bit with you guys and look at it and any other weird because I know there's other weird things where the league's gotten involved in the Chris Paul Lakers trade, yeah, and how yeah. they were very upset with the with the big three in Miami. And how they're like, oh, this isn't good for the league, and all of these other things, and try to find other reasons for like the league to get involved in stuff. Uh, but it was funny when I was telling my wife about the Tim Donaghy theory. She said, "Well, if Chicago's so important, how come they just don't make Chicago good again?" <laughs> and I was like, "Well, that's why it's a conspiracy, and that's why I'm crazy." <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> well, but, that's why I stay up at night thinking about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. We we complain about rough times as Bulls fans. Ben's a damn Pacers fan, man. Like his highlight is bringing man. Lance Stevenson back. Yeah, to I mean, not only just bringing back, I mean, a three year deal. We didn't just bring him back. I mean, we brought him all the way back. <laughs> you know, he's all in. Good old Lance Stevenson. <laughs> I love the enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought second our season chance was Lance. Like, you know, second chance Lance. Maybe he'll blow on somebody else this year. Who knows? You got to watch that phrasing, man. <laughs> I know. Yeah. When I, said that, it, when I said that, I couldn't get it back. It's all right. <laughs> it's all right. Ben, what's your topic? Uh, uh, my topic is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Oof. And 
I don't know about you guys, but I'm not sure what's going on with that team. Um, the last 10 games, they're 5-5. Five and five. They are out of first place in the Eastern Conference for the first time since November of 2015, I believe, I think I saw. Yep. Um, that is, I mean, for them to have all these stars and for LeBron to beg for these trays and say we don't have enough people, so then they go out and go not, not get just one Derrick Williams. They get two D-Wills. Right. So you got two D Wills. Um, you bring in a Kyle Corver, who's a knockdown shooter. Um, you get Kevin Love back. You get uh, J.R. Smith back, and your team presumably should get better. But for them, they they have uh, been mired in mediocrity. And against good teams, uh, they can't sniff a win against anybody that could they could be possibly be competing against. Either they're in the Eastern Conference or, as you saw, versus Spurs in the in the finals. So I don't know what's going on with them, and I don't know if you guys have any theories about it, but it's kind of one of those things where it feels like it is being addition by subtraction. Maybe you have too many people on your team that you thought that would be key, key pogs, and you're trying to get things together, and maybe they'll get it figured out. You know, for the sake of the NBA, I hope hopefully they get it figured out. But I would love to see a, a Boston um, or even a Toronto kind of give them a run for their money. But right now, it is not looking good for the Cleveland Cavaliers. No, I mean they they look clunky. Like that's I feel like that's the best way I could describe it. Mm-hmm. Is there's not that that smooth offense going? I agree, and, and I think that's part of bringing some of those new guys in, and I and. I get it. J.R. Smith was hurt. You needed some firepower, so you went and got Kyle Korver. I understand that. Um, and you also uh, you brought in Derek Williams, who uh, to me seems like he's fit in very well. Yeah. But then you push then you mm-hmm. push out a guy like Channing Fry. Now Channing Fry had helped you make the run that you made last year by being that other guy outside of Kevin Love to be able to stretch the floor and be a stretch four. Um, you still have Tristan Thompson, who's a banger. Um, but to me, it just seems like there's almost too clunky is a good word. They, there's almost too many pieces to the puzzle. Um, and I don't know how all those guys are going to fit because now you've got guys like Channing Fry who aren't seeing as many minutes as they're used to seeing. Um, and then you're trying to fit in a Darren Williams to be a backup point guard. And you're trying to, you know, he's trying to get acclimated to everything and, I don't know if it's going to play itself out the way they want it to there in Cleveland. I'm not sure. I mean, I think it's. I think if either Cleveland or Golden State, I don't think neither one of them would have to make it for this to ring true. But I think if one or the other don't make it to the finals again this year, I, I think it's going to kind of make the league reexamine like how or like other teams in the league reexamine how delicate chemistry can actually be on a roster. Yeah, um, and, yeah, and because like yeah, the Warriors, you know, lost nine games last year, lost the finals, whatever. But still, one of the best teams ever assembled, like statistically speaking. Mm-hmm. They add one of the best players in the league, and they're mm-hmm. doing worse. And it's and you see that kind of same situation with Cleveland, where they unload some players, but they get players that on paper or upgrades, but like I said, the rosters, you know, turn out a little bit clunky and it's like, there's a certain 
like delicate fabric within the chemistry of a roster. I think that teams have got to stop fucking with. I agree. I mean, ask, I mean, look at Boston. I mean, Boston has, they've been very, very smart about what they've done and who they've brought in. And that team is starting to pay dividends. Uh, A big key to that is Brad, Brad Stevens, who um, I thought he did an excellent job at Butler. And he's one of the few guys that's been able to transition from the college game and and be a professional coach and, and has done an excellent job. But he's also stuck to his process. I mean, he believed in a guy like Isaiah Thomas. Um, he's got guys like Jay Crowder, Kelly Olin, who do what they're supposed to do, and they play a great brand of basketball there. But they've also kept the chemistry the same, which is key. Yeah, that, that's 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 awesome. That's a great point. Um, but Ben, not to play a little devil's advocate for you. I know, like a lot of the point right now with the with the Cavaliers is like people are saying, you know, are they worried about having the two seed? And I don't necessarily think they're worried about that. Uh, if we look for sure, like one point you got to make too is like, what if LeBron makes this year? It'll be a seventh straight year in the finals, and which those, is phenomenal. I mean, that's amazing, <clears throat> amazing. And those six years before, whether it be with Miami or Cleveland. He's only had the one seed twice. Um, even even in Cleveland, two, yeah, two years ago the Hawks had the one seed and they swept them. And then um, the first two years he was in Miami, they were the two seed. Alex, unfortunately, as we remember the Bulls were the one seed those years. Didn't go our way. Oh yeah, um, yeah, it never does. Yeah, and then the next, <laughs> and then another one of those years, Ben, as you remember, the Pacers were the one seed. And, they sure were. Yeah, and that was uh, that was the Lance Stevenson blowing on the ear series, and that was the, the sure was. that was the coming out party of Paul George, and that was like all that stuff there. So that I think is where um, where the, that part doesn't bother me, uh, doesn't worry me too much. What I do find interesting is I think the Cavs are going to be okay, and Kevin O'Connor from the NBA show and The Ringer brought this up this week, and I think it's a great point of yeah, right now it's not looking good. But they've gone through these stretches before. That first year LeBron came back, they were 8-8 eight and eight to start the year. Um, when they fired David Blatt, they lost like four of – they lost like 8 of 12 at one point. And, you know, they, they just have this stretch at some point every year. And he also made the point that I really agree with is right now they're playing 10-11 guys. When they go down yeah. to playing 8, I think they're going to be okay. I think when they realize like their best 8 players, you got to think Amon Shumpert's kind of had a spotty record – of like what his role is with the team, um, mm-hmm. I think once they go down to that eight and they're going with that eight man rotation in the playoffs, where they only take three or four guys off the bench, I think that's when they'll be okay because that eight you're looking at is Kevin Love, LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith, um, and then Kyle Korver, probably Darren Williams, and well, ooh, they'll probably play nine because you'll have to play Amon Shumpert in there, and then you're going to mm-hmm. have to get, pro- I mean. Whether it be Richard Jefferson or Channing Fry, I think once they switch to that, like I think they'll be okay. I'm not at the point where I'm ready to write uh, them scared that they're not going to make it. I still think that in a seven game stretch, those teams like Boston, Washington, Toronto, I don't think could beat them in seven games. Yeah, I would. I would. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but I'd still, I mean, it just seems like a lot of guys. Because even in that eight, there was no mention of either Williams guy. So then you're like, do those guys? I mean, what do they do with those guys? Do they just is there is it less minutes? Is it is it? Uh, I I don't know, um, but I do agree with you there. There's not a team that's. I mean, right now you're looking at the standings. If they finish second, um, they are playing uh, the Pacers. Is what it looks like. 
So, I mean, their record against the Pacers, I believe, was pretty good. So, yeah. I mean, I don't think they would be worried. I don't think they would be worried. Um, and nobody in that bottom there could, could mess with them, the Heat, Pacers, Bucks, or Hawks. So, I think they would be okay. But it's just, to me, it just seems like the struggle and, and you know, the struggles that they're having, hopefully it doesn't affect the end outcome because I do still believe they're the best team in the East. I just yeah. hope these hiccups don't don't cause an issue. Alex, bring you back in the conversation here. Do you think that loss of Matthew Delvadova is looking bigger now? I mean, it's like a, it goes back to the continuity, right? Like as I keep hitting on that, but it's it's a situation where yeah, like certain players fill certain roles, and uh, I, I think it's really important to kind of maintain that. And if you remove a player who does fill a specific, like if you take, a, I, I, I like this guy, Tony Allen. Mm-hmm. I talk about Tony Allen a lot. Tony Allen is really good at defense. He's a really good wing defender. Mm-hmm. If you take a guy like Tony Allen off your team, you've got to replace him with a guy that's like Tony Allen. Because right. if they are more of a specialist kind of player, you those aren't those really aren't swappable parts. And I, I think that's that's a frustrating issue is, you know, yeah, sure, they have Deron Williams, who, statistically speaking, is a much better player who has had a much grandiose career and a much more successful career as, as an NBA player. But he doesn't do the same stuff Della Dova does. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's where a lot of those issues come in is you've got to be able to slot guys in those roles, especially when it does come to the playoffs, because that's where matchups are super important. Because if you run into a team like Boston, I, they can grind you out. Yes. Like, if you let Boston play their style, they will grind you out, and you will lose because you don't have Isaiah Thomas in the fourth quarter. True. That's a good and point. As as Sean hits on, too, all roads through this playoffs lead through San Antonio, and we are witnessing what is clearly the Kawival. Yes. Uh, so I, I don't know. I I think they have Cleveland definitely has the best chance to still. I don't necessarily want to say steamroll, but get through. Uh, I, I think they could definitely hack their way through the finals, but uh, I, it's not the same route. It's not the same. I don't think it'll be the same level of ease. And I think there's a greater chance of them running into a buzzsaw of some kind before they get there. And if not, they're going to face one with whoever they get in the West. Yeah. And I think the other thing is, go ahead. I'm sorry, Alex. uh, I'm sorry. Another point I wanted to make was if Cleveland, you know, does slip, I know I've said before that seeding sometimes really isn't all that important, but I think for the lower teams it is. And I Mm -hmm. think if Cleveland runs into the unbelievably white-hot Miami Heat right now. Yes. Uh, who have kind of reinvented their game, and they're playing the best basketball at the best time. Uh, and they're going to slot in a 6-7-8 spot, probably. And if they get Cleveland, I mean, yeah, Cleveland will have their way with them to an extent, but I think it'll be in the same vein as like that Toronto series last year, where it'll be like, a, oh, that was a little closer than everybody, than it looks. Right. So uh, I, yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I think a lot of the teams in the East are heating up at a time when the Cavs are cooling off. And that's 
that's where I'm kind of like, okay, this is going to be a little more difficult. Yeah, and I think the other thing too is with those guys they added, not that they're not great players like we mentioned, the Williams and the um, the Jeffersons and those guys like that, those guys aren't exactly like – those guys have a lot of wear on their bodies too. And I think that that plays a part as well. When you're bringing in these guys that are like – you're dropping a Dale of Dovis 26, you're bringing a Darren Williams who's 31, who's been in the league for mm-hmm. 10, 11 years. Like, yeah, that plays a part. Yeah, and I think the chemistry part is huge too. Um, and a lot of people have talked about the Dell of Adova thing, and and they're like, oh, you know, well, he's just Dell. You know, they don't they think like the Dell of Adova move is not a huge move, but it is. Uh, you brought a great point. I think that his part and what he did and the role he played and the chemistry of that team, um, I think it's a huge part for him not being there. So. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully that they're able to to uh, fix that and, and do what they need to do to, to right the ship. Um, but then again, like, like Tim said, you brought up a good point. It could be just one of those things where they are right now feeling themselves and trying to figure out what they want to do and, and get to the point where uh, they can make a run like we all know they probably will. Yeah, and I mean... I, I want to steal a quote from Brad Stevens uh, <clears throat> where he's, they were talking about how the Celtics got the one seed and he said, nobody hangs banners for what you do through 74 games. Yep. And I think that mm-hmm. works both ways. It's, I mean, yeah. So they're not looking good now, but two weeks from now, a lot, of, I think the, the pendulum can kind of go the other way, especially for a team like Cleveland. Yeah. Cause yeah. All it, because I mean, Cleveland has one thing that 29 and the other 29 teams in the NBA don't have. And that's a LeBron. Yes. LBJ. <laughs> that's a nice, LBJ. that's a nice, <clears throat> nice thing to have that no one else has too. Yeah. It's a, it's, you know, yeah, it must be nice just to have <laughs> yeah. a LeBron at your disposal. Absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think that, and, and kind of not really changing subjects, but um, the Spurs are kind of the same way. I know we had mentioned earlier about Kawhi. I mean, what that what that guy does for a team, I mean, it's he's kind of the same mold as that LeBron. I mean, he he is a game changer, I and mean, that's on both ends of the court. And and going back to the conspiracy theories, <laughs> are you guys on back, board with the Kawhi Littered is a robot? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Have you 100%. seen uh, Have you seen his Jordan campaigns? Yeah, he's a robot. Yeah, no I just, I remember one of his. One of his uh, post game quotes was just "basketball is fun." <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is still the guy that drives a two thousand three suburban and lives in a two bedroom apartment. I mean, he's only got a he's only, I mean he's only got a hundred hundred twenty million dollar contract. And I mean, and the guy they said he he lives like he's a hobo, which is <laughs> he good. Li- I mean, he, he lives like a guy that was traded for George Hill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, Tim, you want to bring us home with some final news? Yeah, well, we have two things today. Um, I don't know if this is really news anymore, if it keeps happening, but Alex, Stan Van Gundy once again is at odds with a big man. Stop me if you've heard this before. Um, oh, gosh. Your, on- your honest opinion, Alex. Who leaves Detroit first this offseason after this tumultuous downfall and choke job the Pistons have had? Andre Jumman or Stan Van Gundy? Man, just he needs to Stan Van shut the fuck up. I know. <laughs> Like, I'm so sick of hearing, like, if I never hear Stan Van Gundy's name again, it will be f- far too soon. Agreed. 
Agreed. And like I, I used to love, I loved him as a coach many years ago. Uh, I, I think his candle of relevance has burnt out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I'll leave it at that because I don't have nice things to say about Stan Van Gundy at this point. Yeah, Detroit, I have that, a feeling they're going to blow it up this offseason. I think Drummond will be gone. I think they're going to fire Van Gundy. I think Reggie Jackson will be gone. It's a shame because since the Joe Dumars era, like Detroit just always hovers one or two players away. Yep. But they have like too many Jonas Urebkos. Yeah, they do. <laughs> or Ishmiths. Yeah, like it's they get like four of the right players that they need out of twelve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So last thing on the topic I want to bring up um, last Friday the Los Angeles Lakers. You know we know that they can always do it big when they need to, and they honor Shaquille O'Neal with their with his statue, which is like the coolest statue mm-hmm. ever because it's not just one of those stand up ones where he's like posing. It's him with the duck and his feet in the air. It's hanging off the corner. I think that's cool. And yeah, yeah, and the Lakers fans can hang upside down to kiss his butt like a Blarney stone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Yes, and then um, rub my feet. <laughs> and then everyone came out. Kareem was there. Jerry West was there. Kobe was there. But Magic Johnson wasn't there. And I think his reasoning was intentional because if I don't know if you guys saw, Magic Johnson recorded a message for Shaq to play. It was the ultimate recruit job. It was like, there was no shame behind it. He's like, Shaq, I want to thank you for leaving Orlando to come to L.A. and completely changing the face of the Lakers by coming here and getting all the endorsement deals and making your name bigger than it was and doing movies in Hollywood and making music while you were here and getting your name out there and making your shield deal with Reebok even bigger by joining the Lakers. Like, Magic Johnson used Shaquille O'Neal's honorary moment to recruit people to go play for the Lakers. That's exactly what he did. If Magic well, yeah. Johnson's career was three-fifths of what it was, so if he was just three-fifths Magic Johnson, that man would not be making recruitment videos. That man would be selling, like, gold or pyramid schemes. Yep. <laughs> That's true. And somehow his talk show probably would have ran longer. Yeah. It would have. It absolutely would have. I mean, and and I understand what Matt – I mean, I don't understand what Magic's doing, but I do. Um, he's got a tough – job and a tough road ahead um as far as i mean as good as that lakers franchise has been um right now i mean they're in they're in some dire straits um they need a they need a veteran and i understand what magic's doing because he's got a big job he's he's got things that he's going to have to do there where he's not going to be very light because he's got to get rid of some people He's going to have to move some people around, and he's going to have to bring in some stars in order for that to be a uh, relevant franchise again. So I, do I agree with him using Shaq's moment to recruit? No. But I do understand the pressure that he's under trying to make the Lakers relevant. So The best part of the whole ceremony was when Kareem spoke. And Kareem stole the show with one line. First off, Alex, as you know, I love when Kareem shows up to things because he wears his stance socks that are made to look just like him. <laughs> I, I, I love that. I love Kareem for that reason alone. But he comes up, he gets to the podium, the first sentence he says is, everyone, thank you for coming. Um, Kobe's here. And he goes, people thought the likeliness of Kobe Bryant being here were like Shaquille O'Neal hitting a free throw. And I went, oh, Kareem has got jokes. He's the man. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably been sitting on that one for years. Yeah. Oh yeah, like since the t- since the minute Shaq retired, Kareem's just been in the shadows. Like in five years, I'm gonna make you my bitch. <laughs> but, I will be in the lab. 
That's you the... will know that I'm there, no doubt about it. That's my favorite thing is like every time you see Kareem when he's somewhere, someone take a picture of these feet where someone's wearing the Kareem Abdul Jabbar stance socks, and then they shoot up and it's Kareem Abdul Jabbar wearing the socks. Like I love that. I love it. I can't imagine if that man wore knee high socks, I can't imagine how long they are compared to a regular human. I know. <laughs> uh, oh my god man but big ups to Shaq that that is uh i him getting a, a statue is really cool um and a side note i my personal opinion the most dominant player to ever play in the nba hands down agree yeah this has been the corner three podcast posts every Friday on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Tim, Ben, thank you for joining me. Oh man, thank you fun. for having Tim, me. I've thanks had Thanks for blast. joining me as always. Yeah. As always. <laughs> I don't know how this works. Yeah. I'm bad with formalities. I'm bad with sign offs. You know what? Fuck it. It's up Friday. Cut the feed. Holla. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Be sure to add us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check out our brand new website at thecorner3.net.